Hey, Philip, how's it going? Going good. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Boy, it's been a uh, it's been a newsworthy week. Quite the heavy hitter for me, at least. Um, yeah, I certainly enjoyed the news story that came out Friday. <laughs> yeah, about uh, IDPH staff mocking the appearance of medical cannabis patients. <laughs> it's just it's like. <laughs> Well, okay, let's just introduce, let's jump right into that subject. I'll have the story linked in the uh, show notes for folks that want to check it out. Um, You introduced it pretty well. Um, The headline is five state public health workers kept a yearbook that mocked photos of medical marijuana applicants. And this is from um, an inspector general's report, which I will also link in the podcast description, I reached out to the person that wrote this story um, and we may have them on the show in the future. Um, So what, yeah, let's just, I'm curious, Phil, you introduced me to this story. Um, Break it down for folks. I know we've just kind of wisped the surface. What's the story here from uh, your perspective? I mean, what it reminds me of, honestly, is like I worked at a, one hour photo place when I was in high school and there was like kind of a policy because you have to look at people's photos like back in the day when you would print them and you'd like make sure they turned out and everything and there was like a policy that you like you just did not share things that were in people like you didn't say like hey look at this or like things like that that's like pretty much what it sounds like they were doing it's like people would submit these photos and if for any reason the photo was amusing to them they would like call someone over and be like, Hey, look at this guy. And then go to like, put it in this yearbook that they had that they kept in their break room just 24 (laughs) seven. Yeah. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy to see this report is it's really detailed. Um, I'm not sure if you've really taken a good gander at the, the official report. I I read through and highlighted parts of it. Nice. Nice. (laughs) Um, I'll share the report. Well, because there's more, like the article includes a lot of stuff, but there's like more details in that full report. Absolutely. And just the fact that like in people like that they interviewed, like every single um, one of them who's interviewed is saying that it was like everybody there, you know, knew about it and was like, okay with it. Right. And I get the impression that, Mr. Willingham, which seems to be the main subject of this story. I don't know. Tell me if you agree. I get the impression that he sort of flip-flopped. Like he was like, yeah, I'm aware of it, but maybe it's not as big of a deal. But like you say, it seems like every other perspective was like, no, everybody knows about this thing. And actually we have a lot of fun with it. (laughs) Like, yeah, it was like for their amusement. They said there was no like official reason to have it. Like part of what they like in the article it's like oh it originated because of like deficient photos like you're putting photos that wouldn't be approved in the book but like all over it it just says there was no like official reason to have it there was no purpose to it it wasn't like a training manual or something like that yeah i found it interesting that like you said it was in their break room everybody knew about it and I like that the report detailed that in as an initial step in the investigation, 
OEIG investigators met with Mr. Willingham in his office at the Division of Medical Cannabis. And during that meeting, the OEIG requested and secured from him a binder with the IDPH Illinois Medical Cannabis Patient Program logo and the label MCPP yearbook on the cover. It contained 13 pages, including uh, eight pages with images of people's faces. Most of the images, most of the pages with images of people who have typed, also have typed captions. So, you know, going through, there, there's a few here. Apparently, there was an image of a person in front of a, I'm not sure it's redacted, with the caption, Punta Cannabis. There was an image with a person uh, with the captions, Medical Cannabis Photo Gallery and Happy Holidays. Um, here's one where it actually starts to, you can see they're having like fun insulting people. Uh, there was an image of a man with the caption, Pete Davidson from Wish. So for folks that maybe don't understand that insult, it's like a, it's like a formula, <laughs> right? So you'll say, uh, you know, this person looks like Dr. Phil from Wish. So it's like a cheap version of Dr. Phil. I don't know. I just gave a random example trying to explain why that was an insult or supposed to be an insult. Um, well, just, or this one here calling someone Zaddy Claus, which I would guess is an attractive man who resembled Santa Claus. Is that what they're going for there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, or just like labeling someone, why the long face? Which I'm pretty sure that's me. I'm pretty positive that that's got to be me. <laughs> I do not look happy. Well, and that's of... the thing, isn't it? Is it could be anyone who right. submitted, like we both have submitted photos to these people. And it's just a little like disconcerting to think that they were maybe like making fun of you. Mm -hmm. And might I add, like, it, we've talked about this a few times. I think it's interesting that this application is supposed to be treated confidentially. And we're very familiar with other comp with other applications that are treated confidentially that you cannot we're supposed to be supposed to be fair. Yeah, fair. Yeah, they're supposed to be. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, so what I'm alluding to folks, it, cause I, I'm not speaking like clearly here, these applications are supposed to be clear, uh, these applications for medical cannabis, um, to apply, to get a medical cannabis card should remain confidential. This is showing, I mean, they're printing off these pictures. They're putting it into a book. They're not treating it confidentially. They're leaving it in the break room, Right. Which is, which they say in the report that like a janitor who just works for the building, who has no like clearance from the state or employment with the state to be on that floor would have had access to it. Right. Right. And I contrast that with how they handle um, other license app, app. I'm talking about the license applications to actually run a cannabis business in the state of Illinois. Those are under strict lock and key. And even if you request them as a journalist, they will refuse to provide any information because law, the law specifically spells out that it is to be treated confidentially. So I just think it's well, interesting. But they, also, they also, during that application process, claim that it's blind scoring, claim that it's all like a blind process because the applications are anonymous. But it's like, 
oh, well, how anonymous and confidential is that stuff really? Like clearly you're, you feel free to share this patient application information with people in the office. Like, yeah. yeah, that's actually a really brilliant point. I wasn't even approaching it that way. Like seeing as you're supposed to, yeah, approach this confidentially and you, you clearly aren't. That, that's an interesting way of thinking of this issue. Um, I'm just going to pull up the story again. Any other takeaways from this? Yes. Just like, I don't know. I think like you could look at this story and just be like, oh, it's a bunch of idiots in this office that were just being inappropriate and dumb. And that's but actually like, what somebody did comment when we shared it. They were like, hey, have you ever worked an office job? It gets pretty boring. Yeah, but you're also like you're also an employee for the Illinois Department of Public Health. Right, right. And even if it's like a temp job, you're handling people's information. These people could like have cancer, MS, ALS, anorexia. There's all kinds of like serious qualifying conditions. That's right. Just kind of twisted to think people would just be like mocking people's appearance. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and, some... and just in general, that if the people who work in this department don't like this is all kind of a joke to them, that is what it would seem, you know, from this. Like they don't treat this seriously. They don't treat quali like applying patients with respect. I just feel like that's like a smaller version of what the state, how the state treats the whole program and treats patients. <laughs> yeah. And you know, some like, some, some have asked about HIPAA and stuff with regard to this, but would what is your take? I mean, neither of us are lawyers right now. I'm not. I don't know about you. But, right now, um, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I used to be. <laughs> yeah, you used to practice, right? As far as I've been told, HIPAA doesn't play into this, for lack of better words, because HIPAA is a federal protection and this is a state-sanctioned program. That's what I've been told. Have you been? Have you heard any different or? What's your, what is like your thought on this subject with regard to HIPAA? I mean, that wouldn't really seem right, would it? It doesn't seem right. Um, like, but, but I follow the logic. I don't, I don't think it's right, but I follow the but logic. But yeah, like, if, the, but if you have a, like, doctors are licensed by the state, right? Right. They're not right. like federally licensed. So if a doctor breaks your HIPAA thing, it's not like, oh, well, it's a state. True. I just, yeah. I thought if anyone, I thought if you had information about someone's medical condition and you shared it, you could get in trouble. <laughs> right. And I, I think where I've heard that perspective from, it's like personal conversations I've had with the state in the context of asking why this, why the state police have that data. I'm like, isn't that a HIPAA violation? And, you know, in the past they could, just scan. oh right yeah they could just, right right, right. Uh, well i like, guess maybe is the distinction that like you know they weren't necessarily sharing people's conditions and is just right. getting access to cannabis not really considered a medical like it's not it's I think not what, viewed as serious medicine right you don't get a prescription for it so you get a recommendation and i think that's right. just it i think that i they would think are, that might be something Right. And I think that that's how they get around it. They're saying like, well, we're just simply showing the status of whether or not you have a recommendation. So we're not 
you know, maybe divulging your medical condition to the police or right. So maybe that's how they get around it. But um, it's just that, crazy. Like in this thing, like a lot of the people when they're interviewed, they talk about how during their onboarding, this was like brought up mm -hmm. like during their training, during like the first week they're there, someone is like, Hey, here's the book we use to make fun of the, <laughs> the looks of medical cannabis stations. Right. And I got to say, I don't know how I feel about this. I'm curious what your take is. Did you see that Kelly Cassidy and Bob Morgan made statements on this story? Mm hmm. I mean, they're just trying to get out in front of it, I would imagine. Right. Well, it, it's just, you know, um, they, they say basically, let, let me share here just for the record. Um, the first tweet that I've been able to find on this is from Representative Kelly Cassidy. For years, Representative Bob Morgan and I have been put, pushing for better patient-centered policies in the medical cannabis program at IDPH and often have wondered why it was so hard to get that across to them. Now we know why. And she links the article. I just got to say that here's my thought on it. Um, the legislators are the ones that push for better patient centered policies, not the medical cannabis program. Right. I mean, they're the ones that write the law, the medical. I'm not right. I just feel like they're blaming. They're throwing this staff under the bus for what has been. Not like, look, I'm not saying what they did was right, but to just point to this story and say, well, this is the reason why this program sucks. <laughs> well, the only thing they did to make the program better was expand the qualifying conditions somewhat around the time that they legalized, right? Y yes. And but now we have, and now we have curbside permanent. That's the other change they've made. Yes, but I would argue that they have not even done. So IDPH didn't do that. I IDPH. So no, no, I thought the legislators, uh, I thought the qualified, it was like an expansion in the law. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's like, there has been no, there's been no improvement for medical. I mean, since, well, they, yeah, other than those expansion of conditions, there has been no improvement since like 2015. And so I'll <laughs> give credit right there where credit is due. Bob Morgan did push for that. He pushed for the program to be permanent. He pushed for that new portal and all those things came out of it now mm -hmm. you know we can talk we could talk about the transition but we won't um my thing is i just think it's um yeah it's just a little unfair to blame this story completely on the shortcomings of the program i mean certain certainly uh having people that are this unprofessional is probably indicative of some of the issues we've experienced but to i don't know i think this tweet maybe i'm reading it reading into it too much but i feel like it puts too much on the department right well though and the one good like you know i have opinions of both of those legislators but like it's just good to have attention on how shitty the medical cannabis program is so yeah. if this could be like a little bit of a light to be like hey we need some reforms in this program like among them allowing patients to buy at any store including new social equity licensees, mm -hmm. you know, that, that could be first and foremost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there are people in the industry that back proposals like 
that. So maybe, maybe that would even push it along. So credit where credit is due, uh, Bob Morgan, I alluded to, uh, you know, um, uh, a transition maybe being not so smooth. He acknowledges that. He says, uh, Representative Cassidy and I have been regularly shocked by the compassion missing from the medical cannabis program, like taking months to approve patient applications, online system shutdowns without public notice, nearly ending curbside pickups during COVID. Time for reforms, he says. So I agree. I thought this one, this passage in the like, uh, full report was interesting it's about like the fourth employee they interviewed she said she said she was bothered by the yearbook and that she was particularly bothered by the punta cannabis page because she recognized the person in the photo as a patient in a case she had worked on she said the patient had a redacted and that he was transitioning from being redacted she recalled that she worked with the patient's mother on his application and that the mother had sent in the photo in approximately early redacted. She said that Miss Rivera Rodriguez was handling the application corrections and thought the photo was funny. <laughs> she said that she did not say anything about the situation because she was still in her probationary period and did not want to rock the boat. Wow. And then this next part, she said she has heard employees saying things like, oh, this is an interesting one. I should put this in the book. Or this one's funny. Let's put this one in the book. But she never saw anyone place anything in the yearbook. So just the fact, like there was that yearbook and there's eight pages of people's pictures with text and whatever, making fun of them. But also just that in the office, it was like a way for them to amuse themselves to, just by looking at photos and being like, hey, look at this doofus. Come over here and look at this guy. Right. Right. And it's insane because, you know, I, I had spoken to some of the people mentioned in this, uh, Miles, Miles, who's like the main, I guess he's the leader of the, of this division. We were actually going to have him on the show. Um, so the reason I bring now. this up, <laughs> right. I don't think that's going to happen. The reason I bring, oh, whoops. The reason I bring that up is because it's, you speak to these people and they seem compassionate. They seem they use, you know, I got the impression that they use cannabis and everything else, but to know that this is going on behind closed doors, it's insane. Well, and also like, you know, it, I'm not going to act like the man is the devil or a potentially bad person in every aspect of his life, but just that the tone in the office that handles these applications is as such is just crazy. Yeah, right. Certainly the guy never should have been leading that department. Right. Or that division. Right. The division that started as, uh, you know, it drove what was called the compassionate use of medical cannabis. And I think that's when whoever's, I think Bob Morgan said the compassion missing from the program. That's what I think is ironic about this entire thing. You mentioned it earlier. This started off with such strict, you literally had to basically be dying to get on the program when it first started. And so I wonder how long this thing's been this things existed how well, long it sounds like in people. this in this full report it sounds like it was really kind of when this guy came in okay like he claims that this was existing before and another a woman i think her last name was like furlong who's in this report she said that the yearbook thing existed before that is it willingham or miles before he came yeah. there um but yeah you know 
I mean, do you really believe the people who are at the center of being accused of this kind of thing? Right. Right. I just, <laughs> they put the logo on the folder. I think that's just crazy. They well, made and that's where they said that like in here, it also said that like only three people in the office had access to that, like were would have been able to print off that logo. And like the one claimed she like printed it off, but was like, well, I didn't put it on the cover. I don't know. <laughs> so it's like probably electronically they could find that she printed it off, but she like was deflecting on taking responsibility for actually putting it on the cover. This is insane. Now, what do you think about the idea? I saw somebody comment it on Reddit this morning. This, this story was shared. Um, again, I'm not downplaying this story. Uh, it was probably one of the easier ones for the inspector general to, you know, one of the easier cases for the IG to crack. I saw a comment that basically asked, you know, with everything else that's going on in Illinois cannabis, potential corruption, et cetera, you know, wouldn't you think that we would be focusing on those types of things? But right? isn't it all part of the same thing? Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't this all part of the same deal? Yeah. Like the state, other than the tax revenue they get, I don't think that the state really takes cannabis seriously. It's not a priority. And in fact, I, yeah, I, I get the impression we can maybe talk about this. Well, let's dive into it now if we want to. Um, I get the impression that the state's priorities are to get just a small number of people licensed, just, you know, what they've statutorily defined. And that is their focus and their priority. And I'm kind of picking that. Well, from, licensed and up and operating and successful is what they keep saying. It's like their job is to make sure these businesses are successful. Yes. And you even they hear want that, them to have equity. <laughs> yep. You hear that from the Cannabis Business Association too. Uh, Pamela Altoff, when I asked her about ending the criminalization of cannabis, she said their legislative priorities are basically guaranteeing the success of licensees. Well, and you could even take it a step further. Like, you know, this is shitting on medical cannabis patients in one way, but like you have J.B. Pritzker out there who will champion the fact that the state has prevented cannabis from becoming too cheap for whatever they've termed as a reasonable level of profit for these new companies to make. And it's like, like I was thinking about it earlier today, JB Pritzker is like to weed as Martin Shkreli is to insulin. Like if cannabis is medicine, you should be trying to get people this product for the most reasonable price and like, the best, most uh, abundant supply possible. And it's, it's, do you, do you get the reference to that Martin yeah. Shkreli guy? It was like, he bought that company and then mm -hmm. was going to jack up the price. I mean, I, it's just no different really. Yeah. And he says it as like a badge of honor that we've, cause he just sees it from the business angle. Right. But like, you know, that's its own way of shitting on medical cannabis patients, just like people ridiculing their photos. <laughs> That's a really like you point. and I sitting here. We are not smoking Illinois weed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I I really like the reason. If you could see in my face, I was just really processing the Martin Shkreli analogy because I I think it fits. And I've been 
I've honestly just been confused for folks that have been watching the show. I've been trying to figure out the the regulatory, like the purpose behind some of these lot these limitations. And they've been saying it more and more clearly that it is to guarantee the success of these licensees. And my question has become, and it's been inspired, uh, you know, like at least uh I would say a majority of this line of questioning has been inspired by you, Phil. It's like, why does the cannabis industry welcome these limitations unlike any other industry, right? And it it just seems to be to protect their protect their own interests, you know. Well, and what's the like the other ones, you know, is gambling and like I think Mike Fouché said some on your show at one point, like nuclear power plants or banks are like power, hard to set yeah, up power you know? insurance. Yeah. Insurance. Like regulations make those like impossible to set up, but like, um, you know, there's not going to be like, we're not going to, how to say this, like selling, like weed is not as dangerous as handling all of someone's personal finances and being responsible for that or handling like radioactive material. Yeah. Yeah, and we're treating it, or treating it like a. Dangerous... Well, that's the found. That's like the foundation of where they can treat it. You know, it's like playing off the fear of it still, yeah. and people's discomfort with having it be so plentiful. Yeah, yeah. I hope that this story, just back to this medical cannabis story, I hope that it continues to generate the amount of conversation that it has. I really have to agree with you that for the love of God, if anything was going to change this program, maybe it would be the actual attitudes of the employees itself. I, I hope that that ends up being the case. Cause like, well, and this only was published on Friday. Right. Right. So, I mean, I only really saw it like last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I would hope this maybe morning. this week there'll be a little more conversation about it. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. I'd love to see, you know, we've seen representative Morgan and representative Cassidy make a statement on it. It'd be interesting to see the governor make a statement. Well, and I think too, like you read the punishments these people received, which I don't have like off the top of my head, like the one guy, the miles guy was just allowed to quit. Mm -hmm. seems like, um, and the other people just got like temporary suspensions. Yeah, I think that's towards the bottom of the report. Yeah, they they got temporary <laughs> suspensions where they had to like remain available via phone or something. But yeah, the, well, and the the one guy, the Miles guy, is like a registered nurse. Like someone found his nursing license number and still active. <laughs> yeah, you no ramifications to, in that department. You got to question that for sure. I don't know how that that ultimately ends up being handled, but well, and I just like in this like the analysis at the end of this report, just to drive home, it's like the employees in IDPH's division of medical cannabis are charged with processing confidential applications from people who are terminally ill or suffer from other debilitating medical conditions. <laughs> Insane. Insane. And to think. I just don't know how you could think that this would be okay. You know what I'm saying? Well, and also like, like minors, like this one person, I don't know if this person just needed the help of their, like an adult, like a right. guardian, if they're disabled and an adult, but this could have also been a child they were like making fun of. 
I got that's the impression I got, but you're right that we can't just assume that it is a child. But the fact that they mention their mother, it really makes me think that was a child that was submitting. Yeah. So. Well, again, folks, we'll have the entire we'll have the article by the Chicago Tribune and the entire report in the show notes uh, if you'd like to see that. Before I move on, um, anything else that that we didn't mention that you had highlighted that you don't feel we've addressed so far with this? Incident? I mean, I would say just like get in touch with your local representative. If you're a medical cannabis patient who has ever submitted your photo to this program, like if this makes you uncomfortable, get in touch with your local reps and make sure that they know about this story. <laughs> Because it's not like a going to be like a top news story, you know? Right. It very Kelly much. Cassidy and Bob Morgan will comment on it because obviously they like all this stuff I'm sure comes across their desk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have to agree with you though, that I think in the scheme of things, this is going to, I mean, 420 is this week. This is going to be swept right under the rug. Um, so folks keep it alive. Uh, or maybe, maybe the opposite since attention is on weed. Hey, very good point. Very good point. Either way, I want folks to keep it alive, and I, I like your recommendation. Bring it up to your representatives. Make sure that they're aware. Damn it, I just dropped my joint. That's no good. Um, well, cool. You, you brought up curbside, and so I wanted to transition to variances because I recently found out about a, new, a different variance that the state has issued in the past. You know, the question has always been they can just – whip up curbside what else can they just whip up right and I've, I've been wondering that a lot like what what authority do they actually have and what what can't they do you know and i still is, curb, is curbside like a law now no i believe was it, it just ex- done for another year i believe it was only done for another six months i believe it expires in june oh okay yeah and the idea was i remember <laughs> I don't remember who I heard this from, honestly, now, um, if it was part of the statement that came out from IDFPR or if I was in a meeting with crew. Um, the idea, though, that I recall being shared behind extending it to June is that the, they were hoping that it would be addressed by legislators. So, right. So it like flowed us then- until it was law. And they are working on some changes, so maybe they'll slip it into one of these new bills. I think I think that it will I think it has as good of a chance of passing as anything does. Like it's right up there, you know, cannabis related. It start stuff. it started as an executive order though, right? It was like pandemic related. That's a really good question. I don't remember. I feel like I recall it starting as an executive order, but I don't remember exactly, honestly. I thought it was, yeah, I thought it was. But so before I move to that, again, I would just want to ask one more time because I almost had another thought come up on this story, but then I realized we already touched on it. Any other things before we move on from um, the the uh, yearbook or what did we call it? The burn book referencing Mean Girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think we covered cool. it. Cool. Just wanted to make sure. So, okay. If you recently saw our interview with New Era, 
you will have learned. It was certainly the first time I've gotten somebody that was able to, that was willing to speak on the record regarding this subject. You may have learned that in the past, cannabis cultivators in the state of Illinois have been allowed to cultivate outdoors, which if you didn't know is, is newsworthy because the original cultivation licenses and the new cultivation licenses, frankly, are they, they require a lot of capital and, um, you know, ingenuity uh, because they have to be really high class. Um, I'm reaching for words right now, but the, the point is that it's capital intensive. Well, they essentially have to build like a big box store type structure and, you know, it's climate controlling, like in all the costs associated with maintaining a building. Right. Yeah. The, and thank as, you. Op as opposed to just being able to get like a plot of land, put a big fence around it and plant some plants. Thank you. Thank you for breaking it down. Cause I was like reaching to, to try to contrast. <laughs> I saw um, you reaching there. <laughs> yeah. So you just put it perfectly. I mean, you have to build a climate controlled environment, which folks is a lot harder than you think it is. I, I, I'm not going to sit here like I and pretend that I even understand it. I understand enough to know that it is a hard task. And in fact, it differs from wherever you are. So whatever you build here in Illinois, doesn't it doesn't mean you can copy and paste that and use it in California or Oklahoma or Arizona. There are different factors you're going to have to deal with in, in every state. Um, so long story short, like you say, the bit, the big difference here. And the reason I think that's so new newsworthy is because I've not heard of that before. And frankly, you know, we keep hearing about how these craft cultivators are struggling with the, um, the way that the law reads, which is that you have to open at 5,000 or 4,000 square feet. And then you have to, through a graduated process request that canopy expansion, which has made it apparently from everything I've read online and everything I've heard, that's made it really hard for these new licensees to get capital because investors want a sure thing. And frankly, dealing with the Illinois government is all but a sure thing. And so what was the last count on, um, the number that are like either under construct, like what are, what's the number that are under construction? I feel like it was like a dozen, wasn't it? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't know, but I'll try to pull that up. Um, There's like one that's selling product. There's like a couple more that are like okayed to be growing. Right. Right. It's a, it's a small number. Uh, well, I but think... at the same time, like we were, we were saying earlier, I'll bring this up about the infusers. Like they can't grow their own mm -hmm. and they need to buy all their distillate from a licensed producer. So right now, the only ones they can really buy it from who have access to sell them are going to be these same operators, these 21 big licenses who have been around forever. You know, a craft grower, people are thinking craft flower, it's going to be some great indoor grown, great flower, but the reality is a lot of them can't come up with the money to build those buildings and get those types of operations started. So it would be ideal if they could just plant a field 
and extract all that stuff for distillate, or maybe they want to make their own extracts. But that would also help the infusers because the last I read, those people are paying like ten to twelve thousand dollars for a liter of distillate, um, which I think is like ten times what it goes for. I mean, Michigan is oversaturated, yes, but that's like ten times what it goes for over there. Yeah. So it's a, it's like a high. You know, if you could cut that in half, you would have these infusers making a lot more money. Mm-hmm. I think I found the list, my friend. Um, this is on the Illinois craft or the, the cannabis website for Illinois. So it says PDF list of licensees with construction and operational status. So it looks like, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine have construction approval and one, two, I think two, two are, are operational. Oper- oh wait, sorry. There are more three are operational and maybe a little bit over a, maybe a little bit over 10 have construction approval so yeah and that's out of like over a hundred licenses right yeah and my thing is and maybe i don't have to say this but i think the number would be larger the number of operational people would be larger if there was a variance issued that would allow them to cultivate outdoors oh yeah i mean and i mean if if we went back to that you remember we said the goal from the state is to ensure that the licensees get up and running and are successful. If that's the case, why wouldn't you do something like this to help them throw them a freaking bone here, man. <laughs> but, and also like, why did they stop doing it in the first place? Right. Well, that's, that is the, okay. So that's a really good, like, question. like there's a reason why they, like they approved it and then they stopped it. Mm-hmm. And now no one seems to bring it up. So why did this, you start it and why did you stop it? <laughs> the speculation that I've heard is that Nature's Grace and Wellness, which is one of the companies that I believe had this variance, I believe there have been multiple, um, but we'll, we'll, we're going to try to get the exact answer on that. Um, I believe it just ended because they simply didn't do what they needed to do to renew it. That's what I've heard. Now, you I've did asked- mentioned though that another company potentially also did it right yeah so ngw and potentially i've heard gti and i think i've even heard of a third but i don't want to i really stepping out i've definitely heard of ngw and gti doing it so but to get an, a solid answer i've reached out to david lakeman and i've asked him you know i have recently learned from licensed cultivators people you work with that the this type of variance has been issued in the past since i heard from it i was wondering or since i heard from the perspective of licensed cultivators in the state of illinois i was wondering can you confirm or deny that a variance such as the one i'm referring to has been granted please provide other details if possible such as when the variance was issued how it was issued what the rules were and mention anything else you feel might be important um so yeah, I guess I did lack why why it's not still a thing. But what I just really quick, what I have heard um, with regard to one of my questions, what and I think this was maybe in, uh, mentioned during the interview, but what were the rules for the variants? Well, the rules were kind of back to something you just mentioned. You could only use it for edibles and like concentrate. But still, like you said, to your point, people could 
benefit from that. Like if they could just have some products on the shelves with their name on it. Well, specifically things like RSO for medical patients, you know, right. You could get that way down. Right. But see, this is, this just learning about this increases. I feel and feel free Phil to tell me that I'm fucking crazy and way off track, but I feel it really validates my question of what can they do and what can't they do? You know what I mean? Cause that seems unclear to me. And now there's these proposals of cannabis agency versus cannabis commission, which we can talk about. Um, it's like, well, they're just, it's yeah. Like there is a law, but like, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just seems like, if you can make up curbside and you can make up allowing people to grow outside, it seems like you could just make a lot of regulatory changes <laughs> that aren't in that's the law. It seems like certainly. And that's where I'm like, I'd love. Well, it wasn't even like the, when social equity and the limited licensing was being pitched, a lot of it was, oh, these licenses are limited. They're going to be worth millions. So people will be able to sell parts of that like equity to get their startup money. But then after like the licenses or around the time licenses started coming out, Pritzker administration said, no, you actually can't do that. But for some reason, like craft grows are allowed to do it. Hmm. But I feel like that's just like their interpretation of like when I read it, it's always like, that's their interpretation of the law and how they're like enforcing the law. Like, I wonder what the law specifically says. Right. And I think that is, you're hitting, you're hitting a really, uh, another really good point, which is that it really does all come down to interpretation of the law. And maybe that's why they're proposing things like a cannabis commission or a cannabis agency. They want to more, accurately define what they can and can't do or what somebody can and can't do because we can get into what what i feel is the difference between an agency and a commission um what what is the difference so um what i gather the difference is and i'm about to release a report on this which includes many more details and and kind of a package also with some insights from people from other states that have worked on a cannabis commission. Um, so the, to answer your question, the difference seems to be that an agency would be, they would directly report to the governor. They would, the positions would be appointed by the governor and that's like really, it would be another state agency, right? versus a cannabis commission which would be a board of commissioners these are the the similarity between the two approaches is that it allows a another entity for lack of better words besides the state legislature to do something about cannabis because that's the thing this is what we keep like we keep circling the drain on well the law only says we can do this so you know what i mean Yeah, like when the legislature sets up this entity, they give it the power to make changes to the law. Right, right. Independent of themselves. Because 
people always like to point out that one unique thing about the way we passed cannabis in Illinois is via the state legislature. Another unique thing about the way that our system works is that we are entirely dependent on the state legislature for any changes, basically, except for some of these variances, which I don't have an answer to, (laughs) but right. um, It's like if they're, yeah, like any regulatory body, like the EPA or something, it's like, if there was no environmental protection agency, then Congress would be responsible for legislating every right environmental issue. Mm-hmm. That's a good analogy. But I still think, how do the, like for a commission, where do the commissioners come from? Was that the thing that the CBAI was like pitching? So Because they had like stipulations for like what you had to be to like sit on their right. board right. or whatever. So the I'm going to start with what a commission is versus an agency, and then I'll go to the CBI, I think, because we've got a video on that. So um, the difference – so yeah, an agency, I like how you said an agency would be similar to the EPA. I, I hope that that resonates with folks. It, cer- it certainly did with me. So the difference when you look at a commission is that it, it would not be a state agency. It would be a board – of commissioners and we have several other commissions in the state of illinois so i would imagine it would work much in the same as that so there's like a liquor commission a gaming commission um there's you know many commissions in the state of illinois uh the main difference like i say is that it's a board of commissioners that would be appointed now here's what i haven't cleared up because it works different state to state and this is why i'm glad i got perspectives from other states so in in massachusetts it's a tripartite appointment i think i said that right so it would be so some of the commissioners would be appointed appointed via the governor some commissioners would be appointed via the senate and some via the house i think so it'd be you know from three different elected bodies try to get a little bit of uh to mix it up if you will um now i don't get the sense that that's necessarily part of the commission idea in illinois and i think that's uh, a distinction so i know that i'm still skimming the surface what you'll find in my report is that i very much still don't know like i kind of know the idea the main difference if you will of what an agency and a commission is but what that will actually mean and look like in Illinois is it remains unclear to me. So I'm going to try to just put out all the perspectives so that a commission has like the same power though. Right. I get the sense that they do. Now here's where it gets interesting. In the past, you might be familiar with this report from our history project we're working on right now. The past, the past CROO has proposed the idea of a cannabis commission and that was reported by mike fouché the headline was something to the effect of presentation by cr or for cannabis commission leaks with administration fingerprints all over it or something like that i can't think of what it is right now but it details how the former croo danielle perry had been presenting a proposal for a cannabis commission. It was ultimately introduced as a bill, I believe, by Representative Marcus Evans. I might be wrong on that. Um, And it it proposed the creation of a cannabis commission. 
Now, recently I attended a meeting with the cannabis working group. Um, are you familiar with the cannabis working group, Philip? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like, I think it's main, it's like mainly led by LaShawn Ford. I thought. Yeah. It seems to be led by LaShawn Ford. He hosted his office, hosted the meeting and um, you know, there were several other advocates in the room. Like I saw Marcus Ed Evans, um, Bob Morgan. So the state made clear in this meeting that I'm referring to, which will be more clearly reported in our report on this subject. Uh, they led by saying they are proposing the creation of an agency. And so we're about to watch an interaction between the state and the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois. And so you had asked, you know, the Cannabis Business Association of Illinois is making it very clear on their social media right now that they support the idea of a cannabis commission. And like I just said, the state is making it very clear they support the creation of a cannabis agency. Okay. And then in the past, the state has seemingly supported the creation of a cannabis commission. And if you noticed, I asked in my interview with Pam Altoff, why the change of heart? What's going on? Right. Um, and she wasn't able to opine, as she said. Uh, let me see if I can get this up so that I can share my screen here. So what I'm about to share, like I said, is an interaction between the state of Illinois and the Cannabis Business Association. And, well, I'm just going to play the clip. Let's go right to Pam and Jordan, and then we have to wrap up. We're all over now. I, and thank you again, Ms. Uh, Representative. I just want to clarify the legislation that um, we are supporting and that was worked on was kind of a collaboration with the crew office. Framework of that legislation was done with, and admittedly, Erin, I see you shaking your head. Um, admittedly, there were some changes to that, but again, all I'm indicating is that that was. Um, kind of a position that was taken before on a commission level as opposed to an agency doesn't mean we can't still go forward and talk about what's possible but I, I agree I think that is something that needs um, attention and, and sooner rather than later we've heard from all the legislators that this is they want this to be an agreed bill process so we need to, to develop consensus as rapidly as we possibly can and this session moves fast can I just respond to that really quickly, Representative Ford? I just want to point out um, that I realized that the previous crew um, supported a commission. I'm not going to lie, but there's no reason to, to not say that it's true. She did. Um, what I can tell you is that the governor and my team and the governor's administration supports an agency. Um, I will also just point out that there are some very serious differences um, just for transparency's sake, between the bill that Danielle Perry, previous crew, um, drafted and HB 1436. Um, and so we don't need to get into a debate right now about it, but I will tell you that there are things that were deleted in 1436, like um, the 40%, no, no dispensary having more than 40% of one product on their shelves 
that is imperative for social equity, specifically craft grow. Um, and so we, I, I would just say, and not to mention expanding the board, I think Danielle said five, this one said seven, and gives the majority and minority leaders from both chambers the ability to appoint members to the commission. Um, so I would just, I would just say that before we say, well, crew, I worked on this with crew, like, let's be accurate that there were very serious changes made that will harm social equity, which is a problem for me, but also for this administration as a whole. That's great. Um, Jordan? Yeah, real quick. Uh, yeah, I was not aware that, first of, all, first of all, thank you to everyone, you know, hosting this today. Uh, one, thank you, Aaron, for bringing that up. I was not aware of that. Uh, Rep. Evans, uh, can you comment on that? And so before we move any further into this recording, um, I'm not sure. Were you able to hear that very well? Yeah, I can't see a video, but I was hearing it fine. So my source on that didn't feel comfortable with providing the full video. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. But but there is about to be a moment where you can see video. Um, and And I want you guys to pay attention to the face of Aaron Johnson, our cannabis regulation oversight officer. Um, so just a little bit of background for folks. I'll break this down in my official report on this subject, but this meeting was invite only. Um, I don't know how I got invited and I won't tell you. Um, but, uh, so it was invite only and the, the meeting started with, I was, it said this meeting is being recorded just like this zoom started with Phil. You heard it, you heard it say this meeting's being recorded. It popped up a, a window on your screen, I'm sure, right? It did all those things to me. I thought the meeting was going to be published. And in fact, at the end of the meeting, Jordan, who was just speaking, asked, you know, hey, will we be, will we, how do we get access to this recording so that we can make this decision? Because the cannabis working group was looking to make that decision that day. They wanted to know. Should we do a cannabis agency or should we do a cannabis commission? Everybody involved in the decision said they didn't know enough to be able to make that decision today. Cannabis. Wait, but are they talking about two separate bills, two competing bills? Because like when she says there were like changes and like, oh, it removes the 40% requirement for stores only being able to carry 40% of one type of product. Um, that sounds like just like changes they're making, you know, like they had the one bill and that now they've made this new bill and like, was the one like the agency bill and now there's like a commission bill. I get the impression that it's, but there's reverse. like other changes in there too. Right. You basically got it head on except reverse. I get the impression that right. the first bill was a commission. And it's like a 379 page bill, which apparently I need to read the bill. It apparently, yes, you just heard it right. I'm glad you took home the the new the breaking news story, which is apparently it struck the 40% inventory rule. Which and is that like maybe like a thing like, oh, they have all this power, but they can't change these things? I don't I don't know. But I got because she said things were deleted for this new bill. Right. So that would lead me to think like there was like in this bill, it's like, okay, you have all the power to do all this stuff, but these things that we deem imperative to social equity, like you can't change those. But then maybe in this new bill, it's like, oh, they do have the power to change those. 
I don't get the impression that the new bill would allow them to change that. That's, I think, what she was trying to say was kind of like, and this is what you'll see in this interaction, what I'm kind of saying, like, watch her face for, because basically she's saying, you know, Pam, this is like just my perspective. And I want to make that very clear, folks. It could be that I'm wrong, but my perspective is that Pam just asked about, hey, you know, we were discussing the idea of a cannabis commission. What's going on? And she's like, hey, I'll, ha- I'll, I'll give you that. You did talk to the former CROO about a cannabis commission, but I'll tell you right now that this is Aaron Johnson and Aaron Johnson and Governor Pritzker don't support the idea of a commission. We support the idea of an agency. And she said, she like, I think she, she brings this up to like add on to it. And in that proposal, I'll have you know that there was that which would, you know, harm craft cultivators and social equity there, you know, by effect. I feel like she was bringing that up to, to kind of, it felt to me to point fingers to her. You know what I'm saying? Because who I, I maybe I'm connecting dots where I shouldn't be connecting dots, but who well, else yeah, would be, benefit? Be like, yeah, this is another thing they're advocating for. You know, so that's what they're at. Right. CBAI for folks that are listening, we got to be very right. clear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we what we're what I feel, and it sounds like you're agreeing with me. What I feel sh- why she said that is to, to say, hey, Pam and CBAI. I know you talked about this in the past, and I also saw this language that happens to benefit you and all of your members, Mm -hmm. and it harms our goals on social equity. Um, You know, and then so she contrasted that with their approach. So um, Jordan is about to ask for the opinions on the elected representatives in the room uh, on what we just heard. And I think this is important to add for the record. Um, I've obtained basically the entire recording of this meeting. And uh, like I said, my report will pretty accurately detail most of it. Um, But this is as much as I'm going to release, I I think, right now of the recording um, after talking to my source. So um, let's listen to the rest of the clip. And again, I want to reiterate, folks, please watch the video version and Uh, watch the face. Are you able to provide uh, your opinion or comment on whether or not you support an agency versus a commission? Thank you. Well, actually, Jordan, the uh, members of this um, of this work group has made a commitment to listen and not take a position. And so um, we really need to hear from you all. And this is what this is about. For sure. I was just, you know, that's LaShawn Ford. We have not had enough time to digest. Yep. Read and discuss. So I was just wondering if the elected officials had time. I'm not sure it's oh, and this is right right fair that we have to answer that and they don't. Yeah. We're right where you're at. Um, this is actually new um, to us as well. Um, and so, yeah, Jordan, that's where we're at as well. And uh, uh, Leader Evans, did you have a response? This is Leader Evans. No, even I think he has a good point. It's not about which one is better. We're trying to determine that. So our conversation is laying out the facts and making sure we agree on the facts. Then the facts will determine what's the better route. That, that we got to remove our personal agendas and no, we ain't protecting no jobs. We're not protecting <laughs> no views. All we're putting out is the facts. So we're listening to your facts. We're clarifying the facts. Then the facts will reveal what's the sure, 
how about the the shelf space? Uh, I don't think anybody, at least in our working group, was aware of that. Okay, now this is where I want you to watch Aaron Johnson's face. You know, that forty percent was going to be removed or had been removed. It's you know critical. Nothing's been removed. That's an old bill that doesn't matter. Throwing out these bill numbers are irrelevant. We're not discussing bills. We're discussing the facts. Once we lay out the facts, we'll get LRB to, to develop any bill. So all bills right. don't. Okay. No, I was just saying because I seen a one pager by CBAI that had fourteen thirty six on there, so I wasn't sure if you know I wanted clarification of that. But again, thank you. Can I answer the two report just real quickly? There was no intention that forty percent. If that's being read in there, there was no intent to do that whatsoever. All right, this is going to be um, wrapping up, and I just want to see if anybody, if we could end on. So the other face that you saw that smile from was Vaughn Bentley, who's from IDFPR. I mean, I saw facial reactions from the crew, from IDFPR, from some other guy that I don't think works from the state. I think everybody. I was mainly watching uh, Aaron, and she looked amused. <laughs> yeah, you could tell that. I don't know. I don't want to read too much into it. It looked like she didn't want to look up because she was going to roll her eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I, I don't mean to um, speculate too much. I'm trying not to, but but I have to at a certain point. And so that's that's what I'm doing when I say, like, look at look at their face, you know. And to me, first of all, the entire room acknowledged that that was said. Jordan is the one that vocally said that, like, whoa, I don't think anybody knew this tell me more you know and what i thought it was interesting that mark that evans he said it's about the facts we're talking about the facts and the facts will bring forth the best solution um yeah put your personal agenda aside (laughs) (laughs) right right i thought it was interesting that he asked him about a fact that the crew brought up which is the 40 percent thing he's like did you know that that was in a former bill and like i said i'm pretty sure he's the one that put that bill forward i might be wrong folks look into that look into the initial proposal wasn't it wasn't his response well there isn't a bill we're not talking about bills (laughs) well that was one of his responses he said a few different things yeah but he said but basically he asked about the former proposal which crew just brought up and said did you know about this and he was like look it doesn't matter about the bill or whatever (laughs) like and it was just like i think i mean how did that language end up there (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Like it just it doesn't just like fall out of the bill. I would like to see what the specific language was. Yeah. Let me look. It it. Let's, let's see if we can find it really quick. And if we can, it's, it's okay. We can move on to our last subject if we're not able to. So for folks that wanted to read about it, about the initial proposal, I'm pretty sure that this report by Mike Fouché is detailing the initial proposal, which I have to flip into reader mode here. Um, so there was a 379 page bill to consolidate the cannabis oversight, um, for multiple agencies. It's interesting. He, he put into one agency, the cannabis equity and oversight commission, <laughs> which is, you know, agency commission. Are they which, saying, the, is so are they saying the 40% thing was in this bill? That's what I'm, that's what I am. Right. Because I also remembered that this was very much like a, like introduced at the last minute and look like it was, they were trying to like get it through, like at the last minute before the session ended. Look who sponsored this bill. The person that said it doesn't matter. It, you know, the, the old bills don't matter or whatever. Right. Um, I might 
I might get exactly what he just said for the record, but let me just do a quick search of the full text and I'll see just, is there like 40% or anything like that that I can just find off of a control F I'm not finding anything easy. All right. I did a quick search of the, the text I could find of the bill, which was introduced by representative Evans in the past. Um, I couldn't find what, what Aaron Johnson was referencing, but because I did reference what um, Evans was saying, I want to just play it back just to make sure that I captured accurately the spirit of, of what he said with regard to Jordan's question. Because again, if, if Evans is the one that presented this proposal, which is no longer the one that the state agrees with at all, and in fact, they disagree with, just like I said, I want to just listen to what he said again. Even I think he has a good point. It's not about which one is better. We're trying to determine that. So our conversation is laying out the facts and making sure we agree on the facts. Then the facts will determine what's the better route. We got to remove our personal agendas and no mean protecting no jobs, not protecting no views. All we're putting out is the facts. So we're listening to your facts. We're clarifying the facts. Then the facts will reveal what's the better how about the, the shelf space? Uh, I don't think anybody, at least in our working group, was aware that, you know, that 40% was going to be removed or had been removed. It's, you know, critical. Nothing's been removed. That's an old bill that doesn't matter. Throwing out these bill numbers are irrelevant. We're not discussing bills. We're just That's an old bill that doesn't matter. Uh, again, if so I'm is that a is that a fact about the bill? <laughs> that it's an old bill and it doesn't matter? I guess, but and I, do you get what I'm saying? Like, if he's the one that introduced it, it feel like it's so crazy for him to say it's an old bill and that it doesn't matter. Like, it's like, but it does matter if you're the one that introduced that language. Why the hell did you do that? Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> you know. Oh uh, yeah. And, Where did that come from? Well, I mean, yeah. And who actually writes these bills? You know. Right. And I mean, I know that that's the elephant in the room here. He It's not like Marcus Evans sat down on a Tuesday evening and wrote this bill, a 379-page bill, right? I don't know who writes these bills. Oh, GTI's lobbyist probably did. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, um, so that's that's an interesting one. And I, you know, with, with a lack of... I don't want to like, I'm not trying to diss on people, but it just does seem like we're in a scarcity of cannabis reporters right now. There's just not, doesn't, there's not a lot of stories coming out, but I don't know. I'm glad that that one reporter found this inspector general report though. Like that gives me faith that there are still people out there, you know, on the, well, and I do, I do think like there's this story about public corruption and cannabis going on in Michigan right now, you know, they're a little, they started a little bit i would say they started a little bit before us like in to the extent that they would have like a ability to be super corrupt (laughs) so i don't know i just feel like yeah there might be a lull now but i'm hoping that like you know one two three years from now we get a good amount of public corruption stories in this whole cannabis expansion we've had yeah um is this the story you're referring to Mm mm-hmm yeah. So for folks that are listening, the headline from the Associated Press is ex-head of Michigan Marijuana Board admits he took bribes. The former head of a Michigan Mar- Medical Marijuana Licensing Board has agreed to plead guilty to accepting $110,000 in bribes 
where he led the panel over a two-year period, authorities said Thursday. He acknowledged in a a signed court filing that he acted, quote, corruptly when he accepted cash and other benefits to help businesses get licenses. And I mean, if this happened in Michigan, do we think it has happened here? No. Maybe. (laughs) No. I just like, come on. If you had to bet on one or the other, you would guess that like, there will be things to come out yet. Yeah, you'd hope. There's just but, been so little that's actually gotten started, you know? But Phil, they did so much with the original awarding of licenses to to keep it fair, you know, and to... to they, they kept the confidentiality of the licenses, you know, to keep it all fair, right? So that yeah. there weren't any of these mm-hmm. backdoor deals made. So why would you think and you can find out how they did that in episode two thirty two? That's right. Yeah. Why would you think, given all of that, that something similar to this would happen in Illinois? I know. I just keep like I've been hearing about this story lately because I'll watch that uh, Jazz Cabbage Cafe, which is like some Michigan cannabis activists, and they've been covering this. And I just keep thinking like, oh, this is just it's got to be going on here in Illinois too has to have been and potentially still yeah and there certainly have been allegations that you know we aren't short of allegations being made with regard to this stuff so just saying you know time will tell what actually happened so um i think a story to end on for today good story to just wrap it all up is this uh this story here illinois may bar cops one second from searching cars based only on the smell of marijuana so um i'll just read a little bit of the story nearly every day prosecutors in chicago's felony bond court sessions can be heard explaining how police found guns drugs or other contraband inside of a vehicle after a quote odor of burnt cannabis was detected which ultimately led cops to conduct a search. And wise defense attorneys counter that there's no way to know if the cops really smelled pot or not. I think I know one of those wise defense attorneys. Um, With recreational marijuana now legal in Illinois for three years, individuals also would no longer be required to store marijuana in an odor-proof container. Oh, I am so sorry. So here's the thing. Recently, there's been a bill proposed, and we've talked about it on the show with defense attorney Evan Bruno. That's what I was alluding to a little bit ago. So if you want to check out that episode, just scroll through and look for our most recent episode with Evan Bruno. We talk about this bill that he helped to draft language for, and it would ultimately uh, remove language which references odor and odor-proof container from the vehicle code, which is something that people continue to get in trouble for in the state of Illinois to this day. And it's really funny. I wanted to include this story, which covers the bill. I I like that they asked the Illinois Sheriff's Association how they felt about this bill. And Jim Kachuk, he had this to say, you can't have endless marijuana in a vehicle. It's only legal to a certain amount. Are we also going to inhibit the ability 
to intervene when the smell of burnt cannabis may be coming from the vehicle, when the motorists may actually be impaired, I think this bill will have the ability to impact illicit markets in, term of pe in terms of people being able to care more of the drug than they should. Plus, folks may traffic marijuana. <laughs> I like this one. I think this is a mistake on the the people the person that wrote this article but plus folks that sorry plus folks may traffic marijuana cannabis to mask other drugs that may illegally be in the vehicle now i hope that he literally said that but i have to say i i, I have to think that it's probably just an error on the you know well and i i joked that of course i that's the reason i always carry cannabis is to mask the smell of my cocaine correct yeah I yes. Mean, why else? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, and I did just Google it because I was curious. I guess the smell of alcohol is not probable cause. No, it's like not. the smell of alcohol is not probable cause to search your car or assume intoxication. I mean, it might lead a cop like like when they smell cannabis. If this law were to pass and be enacted, you know, like it might lead them to have their eyes out for other things that they can get you on you know or to like deem if you're intoxicated and whatnot but yeah this I, just knowing that the smell of alcohol is not probable cause is like okay well yeah this should probably be the law then yeah i think i actually learned that in episode maybe two with evan bruno oh episode one or two i specifically asked him because i actually assumed incorrectly i said well, I guess if they pull you over and you just reek of booze, they'll probably use that as probable cause. And he said, no, oh, I, I thought the same thing. And that's why I was like, oh, we're about to talk about this. I should probably know if it's. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like you say, I that's not the case, although yeah, that's I, that's definitely interesting. Yeah. I feel like that said it would be hard to talk your way out of that. Like if you just reeked of booze. But I mean, if you knew your rights, I guess. Well, I think, too, you could probably say the same thing after this law was maybe passed. You know, if you're in a more conservative part of the state where they're still looking to nail you for cannabis things, you know, I I just think they'll find some way to search you or, you know, sometimes they just overstep their bounds and it's on you to then challenge them to get your stuff back or to assert your rights. Yeah. And as somebody who's not an attorney, all I can do is try to give you the advice of people who are, which is to, you know, know your rights. I would look up the Pop Brothers at Law script. It's pretty goddamn, I would say it's the best legal advice I've heard of. And I've ran it by other attorneys to make sure that it's not just because, you know, you hear the name Pop Brothers at Law and you're like, how official could this be? Um it's it's pretty good, and it, and all of their lines we've had on the podcast before are based on Supreme Court precedent. the The main thing I want to I won't get into the script and all that stuff. Here's what I want to just say on this subject with regard to speaking to the police, interacting with the police, and this is from the perspective of police. Police commonly see people. But let me just say it this way: people police never see people talk their way out of jail. What they always see people do is talk their way into jail, and I'll leave it at that. So keep your mouth shut. Let your attorney do the talking. <laughs> and uh, well, also, and even an honest cop would tell you. I know someone would say that's a total oxymoron, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but even a cop who's being forthright, they would say like, 
yeah, like you shouldn't just be like babbling to cops. They're looking to get you in trouble for something if they're like looking at you for anything. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So, hey, man, well, we covered a lot of ground today. Um, any thoughts that uh, came up that that we maybe breeze past or, you know, that you wanted to bring up? I don't know. Anything? Just if you're a medical cannabis patient, be angry. They were potentially making fun of you. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. That was like, I, I like was just Googling last night and I was like, what? I, I was like, is this a fake story? Like, am I dreaming? Cause it was like 11 o'clock at night. I was like, am I half asleep? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really, it really happened. Yeah. It really happened. And you know, it's crazy is that like you, you know, you kind of do your scratch your eyes thing, but at the end of the day, is it really that surprising? <laughs> well no but it's nice to have confirmation that like that's what you know people that work for the state think of medical cannabis patients well said is just a source for entertainment and uh amusement yeah through ridicule <laughs> if i could capture that moment though that was that was perfect you weren't surprised at all but like it's nice to get that confirmation that that is indeed the case. That's sad. That's a sad. I was surprised to read about it. I would say fair enough. Right. You're right. Yeah. Cause you're surprised anything comes out or gets public. You know, like <laughs> that one, that one person in the report is like, well, I didn't want to say anything cause I didn't want to rock the boat or just the idea that like people carry would carry on like this and not think it would be like noteworthy to anyone. Even after people in the office said, you know, this is problematic. We probably shouldn't do this. Right. Well, and it's, I, I realize this is slightly different, but it's kind of emblematic of everything we just spoke about with the Cannabis Commission versus Cannabis Agency. We didn't really touch on this yet, Phil, but why in the fuck are all these conversations happening behind closed doors? You know, one of the main points of the proposal from the state is for the agency, and you'll see this in the report, is like, oh, it'll set up a consumer complaint hotline and all these things that'll help consumers. It's like, okay, why aren't consumers a part of this motherfucking debate? You know, why is it the cannabis working group who who obviously they only they seem to be industry focused, like they said it themselves. I think the the story that talked about the formation of the cannabis working group, they're like, we are here to make sure that the licensees get up and going, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, I just feel like they're like if the state is because the state is supposed to represent all parties. So I feel like if they're having this working group about cannabis and it's, you know, and the it's fine to say it that you want to make businesses successful and make businesses be OK. But like consumers and businesses do not have the same interests and medical patients and businesses certainly don't have the same interests. So you would hope that if you have a working group around cannabis with our state representatives that they would be including in that group, like at least one or two advocates representing at least medical patients. And I think I was included accidentally. So uh, again, I don't think <laughs> like, especially when I release my report, they're going to be like, Hey, make sure that Cole Preston is a name that's not ever in one of these meetings again. And it's not even that my report is salacious. Like I'm very fair and balanced in that I don't know the answer. 
but I just try to lay it out that the state is pushing heavily for an agency. In the past, they've pushed for a commission. There are certain people that have pushed for the commission and are still CBAI. Um, and I just ask for those other perspectives, you know, like what, what do they think would be better? But again, the reason I just said what I said, where it's like, oh, I may not be invited again. It just seems like they don't want these debates to go on in public. And well, so by right. me bringing yeah. the debates public to a public forum, like they're gonna be like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> you know? Well, it's interesting too, because like, if you had, you know, like I know like the Michigan regulatory agency, uh, I think it's the MRA. Yeah. So just be the marijuana regulatory agency. Um, they have like public meetings. So like if they have, at least they did under the last guy, I don't know how the new guy's necessarily running everything, but if there was like a thing about, you know, there, they had a whole public meeting and sessions about, uh, labeling remediation. Right. You know, and it's like people, like they announced times, I think more than one where they were going to have people come. You could even do it like remotely, I think, and like have testimony about this and hear what other people are saying. And, and that's why Pam says she backs the commission because the meetings would be in public. Um, here's an example of a commission in Nevada. Um, you know, I go to the CCB, which is the Cannabis Compliance Board in the state of Nevada, and you can go up to public meetings and you can see when Massachusetts is the same way. It's like very public, I think. Yeah, you can see when they meet and I could go back and watch the streams. You know, which is just, again, all of the conversations. But when you say happen, Pam is advocating for the commission, are you saying the bill that Marcus Evans introduced with Danielle Perry? Thank you for asking me this again, because you asked it earlier and I don't feel like I answered your question. So because is that because like we're having the conversation about an agency versus a commission, which has like its own distinction. But when they say commission, is it just like we're talking about this bill that also had this thing about getting rid of this 40 percent requirement? Right. So I get so. Please, yeah, please keep me make sure you get a firm answer out of me on this because I'm about to look it up. Um uh scan. so i was going to look up the current bill because here's the thing why i'm getting confused so yes the the former bill that mike i'm getting the impression that the former bill that mike fouché reported on from when danielle perry was in office is the one that had the 40 percent. i don't get the impression that that's still in the bill well but, that and that old bill is like dead because it was the old session correct like it would have to be reintroduced, but it could still be the same bill. Correct. And cannabis agency. So what I'm looking up right now, I'm pretty sure the current bill, oddly enough, and this is why I'm so confused. This is like adds to my confusion. The current bill, House Bill 1498, and there's House Bill 1436, I can share my screen right now if that's helpful for folks that want to do their own research. I'm on legiscan.com. I did a search in the state of Illinois for cannabis commission, and you find two bills that are currently in the House Rule Committee, House Rules Committee, House Bill 1436 and House Bill 1498. Interestingly enough, they both say commission. They don't say agency. Um, I... 
that's why I get confused because the state and I share it in my report has a fact sheet for an agency, right? So I don't know what bill they're referencing, but I don't get the impression it's the ones that are out there right now. Because if the state's pushing for an agency and this says commission, right? But mm-hmm. I'll, I'm just being candid with you that I don't know. I'm kind of confused on this because of the fact it says commission, you know? So, um, and that's why maybe, I... Maybe the agency one isn't out there yet? That's what I'm wondering. Or if they're going to modify one of these commission ones to become the agency one. You know what I mean? Because they kind of right. do that. They kind of use a bill as a shell bill. Um, I don't but know. But either way, it seems like there's two competing ideas for this one body, like one body, one industry thing. Yes. And CBAI and the state aren't on the same page about what they want. Mm-mm. And I've heard from other people that were involved in that meeting that they're very concerned about that because the impression that they've gotten. And I mean, I see it in Illinois. If you look at the cannabis business associations, like Instagram or their social media presence, They've really been hammering home one commission the last few days. And I've heard that they've basically made it clear that they're, it's like they're going to die on the hill of that issue, that it's got to be a commission. And so. And by commission, we mean their way or no way. (laughs) Correct. Now, what's interesting is that I've (laughs) talked to people that, that I trust, let's just say, like I really value their opinions. And so first of all, they acknowledged that the way that it is now, like currently with this stalemate, like especially like a stalemate, like the one I just described where it's like, like you just said, my way or the highway, like all of the current operators benefit from that. So if that just continues, yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? If that just continues, then they continue to benefit. So realize that. Now, putting that, putting that aside, the other thing that I think the cannabis, the operators have realized is that paying for lobbyists and paying for inside people is worth the investment. And, and so, interestingly enough, this person, again, whose opinion I really value, said that, and they, they did not want to be attributed to these comments, but they said that you you they would think that cannabis companies would prefer the idea of an agency over a commission because like i described earlier a commission is a body of you know commissioners a board of commissioners that are in that are you know elected but they act independently and so the idea is that they would have less control over those people potentially and so interestingly like i say this person who whose opinion I value a lot said they were basically surprised that these cannabis businesses are backing a cannabis commission. So my final report. Well, but in their bill there, in their bill, there were like stipulations for what, like what kind of experience or who you had to be to like sit on their commission. Mm-hmm. And there were things in there that, you know, it's like they only want like a certain type of person to be on that. <laughs> right. Thing. Right. Yeah. So they do want control. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. It'll probably be just like everything else in Illinois. It'll be a commission, but it'll actually just be like, yeah, 
bought and paid for commissioners, you know? Well, who knows what the liquor commission does or the gaming commission? What are they up to? Who sits on those things? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I have no idea. And I think that most people just honestly don't care too. Like, I don't care who serves on the liquor and gaming. And so I would, I would figure that that would extend to cannabis for most people, you know, like who fucking cares, right? Yeah. They're just for, yeah. There's just certain people that care more about cannabis, I think, than alcohol or gambling. Yeah. Like me and you. <laughs> yeah. Or people that like, you know, terminally ill cancer patients that wanted this medicine that wish it was more affordable. Very good point. Very good point. <laughs> and don't want to be made fun of when they submit a picture to IDPH. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I don't know where to stand on that whole cannabis commission and agency thing, but my point in being open about it is that I felt if there's a, a debate such as this going on, that's as important as this, it really could dictate the future of cannabis policy. Why the hell think about this? the cannabis working group seemed to just be meeting with like business interests. Right. Like I couldn't, I could, I, again, I don't know exactly everybody who was in there, but doesn't the CROO, doesn't she interact with like businesses also? Yes. But like my she's point kind is of like, these are, she like, she has the group. She has the medical cannabis working group. Isn't that what it's called? Yes. True. Why not include that? Yeah. You know, I think I've said that it's like you already have a group with CROO where you try to do like outreach and this kind of, it's like, mm -hmm. you know. But I guess my point in bringing that up was that these are our elected officials that aren't including the public in their meetings. You know what I mean? Like this isn't, this doesn't seem to be a public debate even though it does affect the public. I mean, yes, it affects the businesses. Sure. Yes. Yes, it does. Right. But it also affects us. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, why aren't we a part of this debate? So that's my effort. We're not still, we're still, we, look, I'm we not are inserting kid ourselves into this debate. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to kid myself right now by saying that me talking about this right now with you or this, this, I call it a report as if I'm a, a journalist. Like I, some people call me a journalist. I have too much respect for that term to agree yet. I'm still trying to understand what that actually means to be a person like that. But um, so I would be remiss if I didn't say that I doubt this report or me starting this conversation is actually going to change anything, but that's the hope. That's the hope. Inform inform at least a couple people about it. Yeah, because I was just like, this is going on. This is a debate we're having right now. And and again, I'll, I'll I can even send you the fact sheet, but it's included in the report. There are specific parts that talk about how this is going to benefit consumers slash patients. And it's like, all right, how have how immediately have suspicious if I see that language. <laughs> <laughs> definitely but i'm also yeah exactly i'm just like how have those perspectives been gathered like honestly how did you get that feedback to to actually say that definitively that that it will help patients or consumers right if you haven't gathered that feedback you know but i don't know i don't know it's all crazy we're crazy i guess i'm just crazy
Illinois <laughs> cannabis is pretty crazy. Yep. Well, folks, we'll we'll end it on that. Uh, if you've listened this far into the episode, you're crazy too. And I love you for it. Um, so uh, we'll see you on the next episode. Hope you found some value in it. And take care.